As, as we think about the cross tonight, as we think about the sufferings of Christ, something the Apostle Paul wrote come to, comes to mind. And it's just a, one of the major thoughts I want us to think about for the next few moments uh, of our gathering. And it's Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. And Galatians 6, 14, uh, the Apostle Paul says this, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Let's just let that sink in for a moment. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. It's amazing. This is when Paul thinks about the cross, he's filled with pride. That's the word boast is really that sense of, um, of, of, of putting your pride in something, of, being, of bragging about something. He can't stop thinking about it. The cross consumes him in a good way. It consumes him. And he's trying not to brag about anything else. He says, may I not boast except for the cross of Jesus Christ. He's trying to not brag about anything else except the cross. He's trying not to be prideful about anything else except that. Um, I, was, I, was, uh, I came across this, um, this little historical fact. The previous leader of North Korea, Kim, Kim Jong-il, the father of the leader now, he was known to have this amazing memory, and he boasted about it, that he would uh, spend time like memorizing long paragraphs, even memorizing books, and he talked about it a lot. Apparently, in a meeting in 2002, he wooed all his guests or his, 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 um, his team because he told them all their phone numbers. He knew all, his, all their phone numbers by heart. Now, if you have a cell phone today, you probably don't remember anybody's number, right? You used to. I used to remember his numbers. I still know Joseph and Electra's by heart because I met them in 2003 when I didn't have my phone on me all the time. Um, but then he tell, there's a story that goes on about this leader that the, the first time he played golf, he hit 11 holes in one. Obviously, that's not true. This guy loved to brag about himself. He loved to talk about himself. He loved to boast about his memory. He loved to boast about all the things he knew. And even in kind of a, a very like exaggerated way, he boasted about his golf game. Anything that would make him feel good. Let me ask you a question. What do you brag about? What do you brag about? What are you, what are you um, really proud of? You ever drop names when you're with people? You know, like, oh, yeah, I, I know Mike. I was with Mike. And do you guys know Mike? And Mike's a cool guy. Or I know the mayor of this city. I was just talking the other day. I met him at Starbucks, and he, he called my name. He knows me. And you ever, you ever talk like that, like where you drop a name, and you're kind of, you don't really say it out loud that you're bragging about them, but you kind of drop the name because you want other people to know that they know you or you know them. What about at school? Like if some of you guys are in school and you just do a math quiz and you ask your friend intentionally because you know you got a great mark. So you ask them, what did you get? And they say, well, I got, I got a 67. And they're like, oh, yeah. And you say, yeah, I was, I was hoping for a 93, but I got an 89. And, you know, you don't say it like you're bragging, but you, you kind of want to make others know that you did better than them. Uh, if there's some, like, you know, younger students here, maybe you're, you just love, you brag about, like, the world you've created in Minecraft. 
and how awesome the Minecraft world is. If you're, if you're a younger kid, maybe you brag about all the little Lego men you have and the other friends don't have that Lego man, but you have that Lego man. Like maybe you have Lego Batman and they don't. And so you're cooler than them because you got the Lego, little Lego man. Whatever we brag about gives us significance. It feels anyways like it gives us significance, like it makes us feel like, like life is more meaningful, life is more important, life is more valuable. John Stott talks about boasting like this. He says, the object of our boast fills our horizons, engrosses our attention, and absorbs our time and energy. In a word, our glory is our obsession. Our boasts fills our horizons. I love that. Strange. Think about it. Funny, the first time Jesus mentions the cross with his disciples, they're not really boasting about it. The first time he mentions the cross, early in the Gospels, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he's talking to his disciples, and he's talking about what's going to come. And, and he's talking to them about the cost of what it means to follow him, and, he, and he, he drops this line. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Jesus is predicting his death in this, in this conversation. And he's telling his disciples he's not going to be around forever. And that he's going to suffer much at the hands of the religious and the political leaders. And then he says, and if you want to follow me, you got to take up your cross daily and follow. you got to take up your cross daily. Now imagine their first reaction, like, a cross? Like, are you sure this is where you're headed, Jesus? Are you sure, like, this is what we signed up for? Because I don't know, like, I don't know if that's what, where I want this road to end. Like, I don't think I want this path to end at a cross. They knew what a cross was. A cross was Rome's way of killing criminals. So they were like, why would I pick that up? I'm not a criminal. Why would I want to take up a cross? That means I've done something and I'm going to be killed for it. I'm going to be hung for it. Why do I need a cross to follow you? Can I just learn from you? Can I just kind of take that, like if you're going to give us some of your power and maybe heal people? Like, isn't that the, the end of the road for this? Why a cross? The Romans considered the cross to be degrading, disgusting, despicable, detestable, and disgraceful. So I think when the disciples heard that the first time, they probably like, no thank you, Jesus. I don't know if I want to take up your offer to take up a cross. I bet they were confused. And I bet that they, were wi- that they were far from boasting. I bet nothing from their lips came like, I boast about the cross. I bet you didn't come around in that conversation. No bragging about it. And I think people today as well, if they, don't, if they haven't come to know Jesus and come to discover who Jesus is and what he's done and what he wants to do in our lives, I bet you they, they would even think like, why would people come around celebrating a cross? We have one as a symbol here tonight. So why does Paul brag about the cross with so much confidence and so much passion? Because between Jesus predicting the cross to his disciples and Paul boasting about it, the cross actually happened. Jesus died on it. Jesus went to the cross. Paul is writing years later. And the disciples watched it happen. The disciples eventually would identify with the cross, would identify with the death of Christ. In fact, when someone gets baptized, we read through the New Testament that it's like they are dying to themselves, buried with Christ and risen with Christ. There's, there's an identification with the cross. And new followers of Jesus would experience the power of the cross in their own lives. 
See, the cross wasn't only a metaphor for death. The cross was a metaphor that meant that life came from this death. It wasn't just a metaphor for death. It was that life came from this death. Something happened as a result of this death. And Paul and so many other Christ followers before him and after him discovered life at the cross, discovered the meaning and purpose that came from the cross, discovered the the joy and the freedom and the forgiveness and the reconciliation and the peace that actually came from the moment that Jesus died on the cross. And here's why. Here's why something so freeing comes from it. It's, it's, it's the, the second half of that verse that says, the cross through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He's, when he talks about the cross, he says, this is what's happened. Because of the cross, it's through the cross which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. In other words, when you and I fully embrace the cross, it's like when a baby comes out of their mother's womb and the doctor cuts the umbilical cord. The doctor's thinking like, this baby, uh, it's living right now because it's connected to its mother or her, his or her mother. But this baby needs to live on its own. And we're going to cut the dependence, the life support to the mother. To cut one life to start another life. To cut one element of dependence to then live a life of freedom. See, when we think about what Paul just says there, it's talking about cutting our dependence to the world, cutting our dependence on the things we hope will give us life and hope will give us meaning and hope will give us purpose and significance. And maybe it's the things we brag about, the things we brag about that give us life, that we think gives us life. And maybe it's most of the things that maybe they're not all bad, but they just need to be second or third or fourth place and not first place. Listen to some other versions of this line. Because of that cross, you can read on the screen, because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. Here's another version. The world is, is a dead thing to me and I'm a dead man to the world. Here's another version. Because of that cross, I have been crucified in relation to the world. And, he, and I love this. Set free from the stifling atmosphere of pleasing others and fitting into the little patterns that they dictate. See, when, when Paul said, I boast about the cross because I've been through it, I've been, the world has been crucified to me and I've been crucified to it, he's, it means he's, he's completely free from the things that he would normally brag about, that he thought gave him meaning and purpose and life. And that's why Good Friday is so good. Good Friday is so good because we find freedom outside of all the things that we think give us freedom and joy. We celebrate the cross, not just because Jesus died there, but because we died there. It's not just because Jesus died there that we're free. We need to die there to be free. We need to be cut from some of the dependencies that we have in our own life. And so we die at the cross. We, our sin dies at the cross. Our false hopes die at the cross. The things we boast about die at the cross. The things we worship die at the foot of the cross. The way we live to please other people, and I know that we struggle with this, to please other people. The way we live to please other people, that dies at the cross. That dies at the cross. Our dead-end spiritualities die at the cross. The things that we put our hope in, 
that we think will bring us future hope, die at the cross, our over-dependence on money and fame and wealth and stuff dies at the cross. How we use people as life jackets can die at the cross. See, the cross actually saves us. It saves us because the things that we would normally grab onto that we think are purposeful and meaningful, they can be cut and they die right there. They save us. The cross saves us, not only from spiritual death, but from death and bondage that we often perpetuate ourselves. And that's why Paul, that's why Paul determines never to boast in anything else. He says, I don't want anything else to give me ultimate meaning. I don't want anything else to be the source of my life. I don't want anything else to, um, to give me the joy that the cross, I know only the cross can give because nothing else is worth it. And nothing else accomplishes for us and in us what the cross accomplishes. Nothing else. Nothing else. I'm going to ask the team to come up as we bring this to a close. I want to read this one quote from Tim Keller. And I think it it just brings this about. And and he, he says this. We could read it on the screen. The gospel changes what I fundamentally boast in. It changes the whole basis for my identity. Therefore, nothing in the whole world has any power power over me. I am free at last to enjoy the world, for I do not need the world. I feel neither inferior to anyone nor superior to anyone, and I am being made all over into someone and something entirely new. What a powerful way to describe what happens when not only we recognize that Jesus died at the cross, but we die at the cross. We die at the cross. And it changes what we boast in. Because what we boast in, fundamentally, we believe gives us meaning and purpose and hope. But when we boast in the cross, we are free. And I love that line. We're free to enjoy the world. You know, the world's not all bad. But when we depend on the world, it becomes, we become enslaved to it. But when we die at the cross, we actually become free to enjoy the world. You know that some of the relationships you and I are in, we are more free when we die at the cross to actually f- flourish in those relationships. Because we don't use those relationships for our own merit, our own purposes. And whether it's money or fame or relationships, people, possessions, When they die at the cross, we can actually enjoy them because we no longer need to boast in them for our own meaning and purpose and joy. So here, as as we we come to a close here tonight, um, when you think about this line from Jesus that initially the disciples didn't get, but eventually they did. When Jesus says, take up your cross. Take up your cross. Think about that. Let's stand as we... We, we close in this. We want to sing one more song together that reminds us of this. But here, I want, you to, I want you to reflect on this. Take up your cross. Can you just think about that phrase for a moment? When you hear that, when you hear that, I, I don't want, I don't want to, I'm not Jesus in any way, but as, as I say those words, if you can just imagine Jesus calling you out and saying, take up your cross. Take up your cross and follow me daily. Like, I just hope that in this, just the next few moments, we can get in a place with the Lord and really allow the Lord to do a work in us, the Lord to do a work in us, and really reflect and say, what do I really boast in? When Jesus invites me to take up my cross, can I say like Paul, I want to boast in nothing else except the cross of Jesus. In fact, I want 
the things that I feel so dependent on, I want them to die at the cross right now. When we say, when Jesus says, take up your cross, if we say yes, then we're saying we want, we want to die at the cross too. We want the stuff that we depend on to die at the cross. As the band leads us in this song, I want us to think about that, reflect on that. And um, maybe you might not be able to sing the words to the fullest of your heart. But let's pray and ask the Lord to lead us, to draw us in, to help us just to catch a vision of how amazing, wonderful, purposeful, necessary the cross is in our faith, in our lives. And if you're seeking here tonight for the first time, how necessary it is for you to come to grips with the cross of Christ. Let me just invite the Lord to work in us as we sing this song and then I'll come up later and close in prayer. Father, we just say welcome in these next few moments to do the work of your Holy Spirit in us. Help us, God, as we utter these words that we will take up our cross. Lord, will you just flood our heart with truth and conviction and grace and the power of your Spirit so you will make us ready and willing literally to die at the cross with you so we will boast in nothing else. God, I need that. I need that in this moment. There are, there are still things that linger at times in my own life, in my own heart that I know that I fight to brag about because in some way, in some way, God, they, they still fight to give my life meaning. God, I want to enjoy some of those things in light of you being the first person in my life, the first thing, the only thing I worship. And some of the things that are destructive for me, God, God, may I come to grips with that and let them die so you might live through me fully. Father, we say yes to your call. We say yes to this call to take up our cross. In fact, God, we can't bear a cross in our own strength. It's only by your grace. But still, Lord, we respond to your call to follow you daily, to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as an overflow of that, God, to love our neighbor. Lord, that we would live a life of love that comes out of the depths of what this day reflects. Your love was poured out for us. So God, we say yes to that call to take up our cross. Lord, as things maybe continue to linger, maybe things we will wrestle with, um, that we will fight to brag about. Lord, may we allow them to die at the cross. Lord, if we truly want resurrection life, then God, give us the grace and the conviction and the determination to let these things die at the cross so we can truly live as we rise with you. We pray this in Christ's name.